The flight deck is made possible by the generous donors supporting the Museum of Flight. You can support this podcast and the Museum of Flight's other initiatives across the United States and the world by visiting museumofflight.org slash podcast. Hello and welcome to The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. I am your host, Sean Mobley. Today's episode returns to the amazing oral history astronaut Soyun Yi recorded at the Museum of Flight, sharing her life story as the first Korean astronaut. This is the fourth episode where we have investigated Soyun Yi's oral history. So before listening to today's episode, I highly, highly, highly recommend going back into the Flight Deck archives to listen to the previous three episodes about Soyun Yi to get caught up on the story. In today's episode, Soyun Yi and her interviewer, Jeff Nunn, talk about her actual trip into space to the International Space Station from the excitement of launch to an even more exciting and almost fatal return to Earth. When we had the launch, we had a huge shaking and G, but we were so excited. Yeah, it flies! (laughs) And all three of us, everything's new to us. And wow, it's floating, we are flying. So yeah, we all three became really close friends each other. Yeah, we still keep in touch with each other. it's a really wonderful moment. How long did it take from launch to catch up with ISS at that time? Uh, until, until getting to the orbit, it only takes a 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. So you get to the orbit. Right. Yeah. And then having a, around a 20 orbit or something, and mm-hmm. we have a rendezvous, okay. and then two, three orbit, and then finally we just touch each other and then catch up. So it takes almost two days to touch the ISS from the launch. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And uh, once you docked with ISS mm-hmm. and you opened the hatch, mm-hmm. what was your first impression of the space station going in? Uh, you know what? We are so tired of the waiting. So I can tell you, whenever you take an airplane to go to the China or New York, it takes almost 10 hours. So you wait 10 hours really kind of good kid. But right after landing and then taxiing to the gate, and then right before the gate, flight attendant said that everybody should sit down, don't stand up, and be careful until the airplane is really getting to the gate, but you cannot wait. Oh my God, I should get up, I should get out of the airplane, even if you wait 10 hours. We are same. We waited two days and finally docked. And mechanically, we are combined. But there is a pressure difference between the ISS and Soyuz. So we should have a uh, pressure balance at each other. It takes a 30, 40 minutes. We cannot wait this. <laughs> because we see the bars going in like a downloading. The bars going in and the testing going on and the pressure going on. And oh my god, we want to get inside ISS. So doesn't have any feeling. Yeah, ISS! <laughs> and other three crew members are waiting for us. they holding the camera. And I already heard from the mission control. So a whole Korean nation watching you. That TV is a televised live TV show to the Korea. So I should wave to the Korean public, to the camera. So I should keep in mind what else the kind of TV things happen, media things happen. And as a representative of Korea, I should talk to the 
Russian TV and Korean TV. So all those things right after coming up. So I don't have any time to be emotional. My job was started but, right but, away. But you, but you're, you're being asked to smile and, yeah, and wave yeah. at mm -hmm. the end of a two day, you know, the equivalent yeah. of a two day. Yeah, yeah, right. Flight. You should smile <laughs> and then, especially this camera mm -hmm. and wave because we are all so tired. Motion sickness and two days inside of the capsule. So my hair is a crazy messy and then I throw up every 10 minutes and then all my vomit plastic bag is on my side pocket. So there's no reason to smile at all, but I just smile. Ah, hi, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> and so once you're on station, uh, what responsibilities did you have while you were? First of all, I should have uh, 18 different kinds of experiment and then 14 is from the professional researcher and then four five is from the science textbook from Korea. So that is the main mission for me. So every day I have more than eight hours to take care of the space experiment. And by the side is some Korean cultural activity and TV interview, radio interview, and some kind of regular crew activity, cleaning and arranging, finding the cargo thing. So 11 days was a crazy busy actually. Mm -hmm. You've told one story about uh, a, a song that uh, you sang on, mm -hmm. on ISS. Can, mm -hmm. what, is the, what is the story behind that and, and how did that... Ah, uh, yeah, uh, right. And I don't know why, but there's no reason why I love the Fly Me to the Moon. Mm -hmm. And not by the Frank Sinatra, but by the Julie London. Mm -hmm. And then that song is a theme song of the... What is that? It's a, one of the Japanese animation. Mm -hmm they have a theme song, it's a fly, to the, a fly Me to the Moon. And I accidentally heard that song around my college year, around my master's. Anyway, around that time I heard that song. I thought that song is really beautiful without having any reason. I just hooked up. And I just read all the lyrics and I memorized it and then singing by myself. At the time, I even couldn't imagine to be an astronaut. So now it came time, your 11 days in space mm -hmm. uh, ended, and when it came time to, to get ready to, to leave, to come back to Earth, you know, it wasn't like when you got up there and you had just been mm -hmm. in the Soyuz for two days. What, what were you feeling when it was time to, to head back? First of all, I thought time flies so fast, because 11 days is not that short, but I feel like it's just a second, and then right after my motion sickness all gone, I thought I'm ready to stay in space station. But Yuri said, Soyeon, it's a time to pack. And already? Yeah, so I'm not, I was not ready to go back. I really want to stay over there. If there's a no diplomatic problem, I really want to hide somewhere not to going down. But I know I, could, I shouldn't do that. So yeah, I feel so sad. And then, but also, I miss Earth, I miss the gravity, so in the same time, I'm so excited to going back. It's, it's a really mixed feeling, yeah. And your, who are your crewmates for, for uh, Peggy and Yuri, Peggy Wesson and Yuri Malenchenko. Your return flight was yeah. less than ideal. Can you talk a, a little bit about <laughs> Yeah, we had uh, a police re-entry because we had a problem with the separation. So, mm -hmm. descent module should be separated from the habitation module and uh, instrumental module, but we didn't have a fully separated some part of the habitation module still attach it and then flop it. So we lose the balance and we coming down to the earth upside down. So so is the capsule should have a heat shield on the bottom originally. 
So that is a bad old hit when we going down with a huge friction. But we were upside down, so our hatch should face all the hit. So our hatch is almost burnt out. So as I heard from the investigation team, if we exposed to the hit more than several seconds, we would be all killed because hatch would be all burnt. But we just past that small little window to survive. So that, that was a really, really kind of interesting moment. And because of that police re-entry, we should have a higher G. And even before having the red alert for the police re-entry, I could see something blinking outside. And I told the Yuri, Yuri, I think I could see something. But I during the training I learned, I supposed not to see anything. And he said, so it would be the hallucination because it's your first time flight <laughs> and I just think he would be right because it's my first time flight I was so excited maybe there's imaginary kind of fireworks outside and yeah maybe but Peggy after for a while Peggy said you were so right I could see something outside and then we realized that something happened but all the board and computer said everything's normal so we feel suspicious but right after several seconds or some time, and then whole lights comes up, and then computer said we will go down ballistic re-entry because we lose the balance. And we had a huge G, and then I told Peggy, Peggy, I realized that G is too big, and uh, it's more than I expect. And then Peggy said, because you are from the zero gravity, it's relatively big, but it's not the bigger than the normal. And after for a while, he said, she said, so you're right, it's much bigger than the normal. I told you, and it's a huge G, and then kind of 6 and 8 G, and then maximum for several seconds is almost 18, 20 Gs. And, but we couldn't remember because it's too short, yeah. So yeah, that was a really dramatic kind of dynamic things. But I, real, I take as a kind of good luck and a huge opportunity because as an astronaut, you don't have that many chances to have those critical moments together. And as an astronaut or a military guys, it's a huge kind of experience and medals and that is opportunity to prove yourself you are ready to be an astronaut. So my case is because I'm a Korean and younger and woman, still some of the Russian old astronaut, they take me as a real colleague. But after accident, they all come to me and, oh my God, you did a great job. And then I knew it, you made it. And then, oh, please tell me what happened. Please tell me what you did. And, oh my God, that's incredible. So those accidents was a huge opportunity for me to be more closer to the old other astronauts and colleagues. And so once you got the, the, the warning that you were going to go through a ballistic re-entry, uh, was there anything that you as the crew had to do or was it just no, sort of sit back? No, not at all. Just know? sit back okay. and then read the manual and then mm -hmm. we just checking all the parameters and factors and anything we should do something, we should be ready for that. But we don't have any control once we have a place to reach. We just go down as a bullet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you ended up landing because of that off target. Mm -hmm, uh, so. Basically, if you have a normal landing, even before having a touchdown, there's a three helicopters escort you. And then once you touch down and hold the search and rescue team inside of the helicopter, they come to you and they open the hatch, they pull you back out of the capsule. But we realize that there's no helicopter outside. Actually, you know what? 
we just hope to have. Even if we lose the communication, even if we had a bliss reentry, we just thought maybe Mission Control could find us and follow us. But finally, we realized that they didn't know where we are. And we touched down and we wait for a while because at least such a rescue team come, they will open the hatch and take us out. And then for 10 minutes or 20 minutes, as and for a while we wait, but nobody come <laughs> because once somebody come, they just knock, but no sounds at all. So Yuri decided that, so yeah, let's get out by ourselves. I will open the hatch and then you just crawl up and then get out of that because we are landing on the side. We just bouncing inside. So I was on the bottom and Yuri Malenchenko was in the middle and Peggy was kind of dangling. So we were kind of like that. And then Yuri said, so because you are on the bottom, once I stand up and open the hatch, you just go over me and get out of the hatch and I, I get out. And Yuri tried to get out, but we are so tired and then we are not accustomed to walking on the gravity. So we cannot be sure, can we help the Peggy? Because Peggy was dangling, so somebody support her, somebody untied her, but Yuri and I, we cannot be sure we can do that. So we told Sorry, Peggy. <laughs> Let's get out and we will check it out if there's anybody who can help us. And we will check. And we get out and we just lay down on the grass and talking with Peggy and then Yuri. But finally, some nomadic shepherd in Kazakhstan, they saw something coming out from the sky and they followed that because it's really weird. And then we found some of them, even if they cannot speak Russian well, we had a communication with them. And then they support Peggy and then Yuri untied it and then they carry the Peggy out of that. So those nomadic shepherds help us a lot yeah, until there's such a rescue team coming to us. And how long did it take the search and rescue team to reach you? 30 and 40 minutes. Actually, they finally couldn't find us. So we asked the nomadic people, anybody has a cell phone and then they don't have any cell phone at all. So we find a satellite phone and an Iridium phone thing and then we call the MCC <laughs> literally and then we call our GPS location and they come to us. Thank you for joining me today on The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. I think this episode will be our goodbye to Soyunyi, at least to her oral history. There is so much more to her story in that oral history, but I think these four episodes do a good job of giving snapshots into the life of today's astronauts. This oral history was recorded at the Museum of Flight as part of our oral history program, made possible with the generous support of Michael and Mary Kay Hallman. Our oral histories are available for public research, and you can find more details about how to access them in this episode's show notes. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with our episodes and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you downloaded us from. You can contact the show at podcast at museumofflight.org. Until next time, this is your host, Sean Mobley, saying to everyone out there on that good earth, We'll see you out there, folks.